I don't know if it's, we get older, we get weepy, but that song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior, I can never sing that, whether here at Grace or anywhere, without, um, I just can't get through it anyway, because of the truth of, of, of the words that are in that song. And I, I trust, just as we sang the songs today, these choruses, these old hymns that are maybe just done a little bit differently than they have in the past, that the, uh, the words leap out at you. And, and perhaps they do to me because I, I'm not musically talented. If you stand by me and hear me sing, you'll know that right away. Uh, you know, I can play chords, you know, on a guitar. I can, I, I, you know, I, I know what a C chord looks like. I don't know necessarily what it should sound like because I don't even know how to tune my own guitar. So you don't want me doing music. But I think God has given me a, a gift of appreciation for all kinds of music, but really especially for words that speak to our, our need where we are as people. Uh, his great love for us, the work that he's done for us, uh, in us, through us, use us in spite of who we are. And, um, <clears throat> and so those songs, you know, turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And really when you think of that from Romans 8, someday when we actually get to see glory and we get to see this creation the way it should have been without a fall, uh, we really see him for the first time face to face. Every, everything that we see here that's so wonderful and so beautiful, you can all put it together. And it's a, a, not even a thimble full of what his glory would be like. And, uh, and so those, <clears throat> yeah, those, those songs just uh, always, always get to me, and it, it speaks of our thing. But uh, some of you already heard this before, um, and so if you want to sleep for a while, you can. Um, I, I doubt there's going to be anything new. Uh, and I don't think I can say it any newer than I've already said it before. But um, I, I was born, for what it's worth, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, into a good family. Um, I think a family that would call itself a Christian family, but um, Christian in name as opposed to really Christian in knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, and by the time I was five, we'd moved five different times uh, because my dad's job as a uh, structural iron worker and um, and moving up, actually up to the age of 11, we moved a total of eight times. And so it's kind of interesting that we even had any kind of cohesiveness as a family. I, I'm the youngest of three, or was the youngest of three. Uh, my older brother was killed in Vietnam back in uh, 1967, so I had many, many, uh, probably older than some of your parents, <clears throat> which is just how it goes as you get older uh, with the, these things. But uh, for the bulk of our time when I was in grade school, we lived in a little town or near a little town called Chaska, Minnesota, if you now it's not so little anymore. Uh, an ethnic town, predominantly German, a German Catholic or German Lutheran, and we are of the Lutheran variety, and Missouri Synod Lutheran. And so that's where we went, much like if you go up in the hill at Churchill uh, or some other place, maybe on one of the colonies where it's really ethnic. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily ingrown, but everybody kind of knows everybody. And, and the church and school was your life because that's... That's, we had kids in the neighborhood. In fact, the neighborhood I lived in, everybody was German there, too. Uh, they all just happened to be German Catholic. But um, so we had that ethnicity um, and that, that, uh, the teaching, because all the kids I knew went to parochial school. Uh, I, I didn't know any kids who did, went to public school. And so my brother went to public school one year in high school. And that was almost like, you know, we're horrified at that thought. But uh, he did for reasons that we left uh, unexplained today. But in that process, going to St. John's is still there today. Great little school, beautiful building. Um, I, you know, I learned the creeds, the commandments, uh, learned how to memorize scripture, uh, all those things. And uh, I cannot consciously remember a time in my life that I've not believed in God, uh, believe that 
this word is his word. Jesus Christ is God, the Son, uh, died on the cross, that we are sinners saved by grace. All, all those wonderful truths. Um, and yet from the first 20 years of my life, I really didn't know the so what of that. Uh, it, w- it was head knowledge. It was up here, but never got to my heart. Uh, I love church. Uh, we, if you've ever been up in the hill at First Church, you know, the, or First Press down here off of uh, Babcock, and go inside and see that beautiful wood and the stained glass, you know, it has kind of that musty smell, you know, being old. And uh, I love that building. I love the stained glass because each, each of the panes tell a story. And the old uh, pipe organs that are there, just beautiful, bold music. Um, and so I, I grew up in that environment and, and, and thrived in that environment. And, and so I heard a lot about God. I loved going to church. I mean, that sound, sounds odd uh, until I got a little older and, and messed with hunting season. But I loved church. I, I love being in the building, love the music, love the hymns, love the liturgy, uh, love learning about the church. Uh, and so that has always been with me. But as I grew up, you know, went through confirmation as a typical Lutheran kid and um, uh, enjoyed that as well, enjoyed learning about theology, or at least my heritage, and uh, enjoyed the debate with Pastor, uh, first Pastor Johnson and then Pastor Krupp. So we debated infant baptism. I've never believed in that. Sorry for any of you who hold to that. Just never saw it in Scripture. And we wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And, and finally, one day in exasperation, Reverend Krupp said to me, he said, well, David, when you get to seminary, they'll straighten you out. And uh, he was somewhat prophetic. I did go to seminary, but I went to one that agreed with me. I went to Baptist seminary. And uh, so... So I did, but I it maintained my belief uh, all those years. And in fact, he even talked to my parents and, and said to me, you know, we, we, may, we may not be able to con- confirm you. You believe everything, uh, but you just, you're not Lutheran in this sense. And uh, they went ahead and, and uh, let me be confirmed. So as I speed up through that, going to church, knowing some of those things, I, I love the typical rural American kid life. Uh, my folks had bought a resort. That's what brought us back to, uh, brought us back to Minnesota from Illinois, and to, uh, specifically to Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, just east of Fargo, about an hour. And, and they bought a resort because my dad was hoping to retire from working on the road so much, run, you know, running construction jobs. And uh, in the process of buying a resort, most resorts in Minnesota also have a little bar. And in this case, the resort they bought had a huge bar and dance floor. And so for the first seven years we lived in Detroit Lakes, I, I was a bar kid. Uh, I'd grown up with alcohol in the home, always, always been there in the refrigerator or in the shelf somewhere. So I went in a bar because my folks uh, frequented them, um, you know, even when they didn't own a bar. Uh, when we went on vacation to, back to Wisconsin to f- see friends where we lived there, they had a resort, they had a bar. So everything evolved around Germans drinking beer and eating good food. That's about what it amounted to. And so that's, that was always part of my heritage. And so it's, it shouldn't seem strange at all that when I got into high school, uh, my, my love for beer um, and having a good time and enjoying life just continued on um, in, in the midst of all of that. And uh, things, uh, you know, could have played some sports. I probably would never started. Could made, I made teams, uh, sat on the bench most of the time. And uh, when hunting, began to realize I really liked hunting. I like, I like duck hunting. And I grew up on the lake there and, and uh, loved that. And uh, practice cut in with hunting. And uh, Friday night games, you're pretty tired the next morning. It's like, I'd rather be up duck hunting. I'd rather be hunting with my dad than going to all these games. And so I just 
sports and signing a thing. I said I would not drink or smoke or you know go with girls who do. I just wouldn't sign that, and because um, I wasn't going to lie to them. And, and so I, I like drinking beer, I like shooting ducks, I like hunting deer and hunting squirrels and grouse. And so that that was mostly my world uh, as a high school student. And um, <clears throat> still went to church. Uh, my other friends had quit after confirmation, but I went. Um, one because there's a cute girl there too, but. Um, that's a story for another day. And, and so with that, in that process, I, I met who I thought at that time was the love of my life, uh, my senior year. And um, a year, Nancy was a, a year younger. And uh, we decided we'd go to St. Cloud, St. Cloud State. And one reason I wanted to go there, having been involved with FFA and uh, doing a lot of speaking and doing some radio things, I wanted to go into broadcasting. That actually was my career goal in life. And St. Cloud has a good mass communication school, a good broad, broadcast school. Um, it's an, it was a, a party school at that time, still is, I think. Uh, and my girlfriend was going there. So there's three good reasons to go to St. Cloud. So there's no gospel reason in there whatsoever. Okay? It was just all purely fleshy motives uh, to go to school. And about halfway through uh, the year I was living in Shoemaker Hall, our floor would do dinners with the you know, gals above us, gals below us, vice versa, and then just other guy floors. And um, there was one guy on our floor, they always asked to pray before we ate. His name was Ted Beecher. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I go to church. I, you know, why don't they ever ask me to pray? And so I asked our RA, um, Mark, Mark Buckmeyer, I said, well, Mark, why do you have Ted pray? He goes, well, he's a Christian. I said, well, we all are. And he said, well, no, no. He said, Ted, Ted's different than you and me. And I said, what do you mean different? He said, he said well, um, well, he's a Jesus freak. You know, like the Jesus people from California? You know, now you know him as you know, Greg Laurie, you know, those kind of guys. Um, back in those days, we didn't know them then. But it's, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes it real serious. He takes Jesus real serious. Okay, I got that. But I began to watch him. And I saw there was something different about him than everybody else on our floor. Different, different than me. Um, and so I'd ask him questions from time to time. But I just, just kind of studied his life and watched what he was doing. And in that process, in my, uh, through my broadcasting classes, um, wanted to do a radio show on the campus radio station. One of the things you had to do, you, you could do the sports and weather news, those kind of things. But to have a show, you had to have an audience. And so, well, how do you have an audience without a show? It's kind of like the chicken and the egg. No one ever told me that. And finally, the manager said, just, if you get a group of people said they're going to listen to your show, he said, well, we'll give you a show. I said, okay. It sounds good. And it was going to be, if you've ever heard Powerline, that's probably way, for some of you older ones, you might remember. But it used to be kind of a thing on Sunday morning on secular radio stations where they play usually kind of christian light message and playing modern music. So you've got to read back late 60s, early 70s music. And the ones that had a message in them of some kind that you could pull out and Christianize it, and that just always appealed to me. I said, oh, I'd kind of like to do something like that. And he said, fine, get an audience. And so I shared that with Ted, and he said, you know what? You need to come to a crew meeting. In those days, it was Campus Crusade for Christ, okay? And so we went to a crusade meeting on Tuesday, and I stood up during the announcement time and said, hey, but, you know, Ted said, I probably should say this to you. I'm thinking of starting this show. Would you, would you be willing to listen? And if so, you need to call in, okay? Because it used to be the average was for every phone call, they would estimate an audience of 200 people. I don't know if they still have that standard or not. But. And so you can imagine there's about 150 kids in, in Crusade at that time. And so most of them called. So that's like, oh, huge demographic, right? Because you have ads. You know, and so ran, ran the show for a number of the weeks that they allotted me to do, and they listened. But I, on my break, I would go over and sit in on their music, and sometimes you get part of the messages at, at, at the Crusade meeting. And that resulted in the campus director and his uh, guy, young man that he was discipling 
set up an appointment with me. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm religious. I like, I like church and everything. And I said, good, 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 good. So we had one of those Tuesday appointments. You know, they got the four little spiritual law booklet. We sat down in, in the Atwood Center, which is the, like the sub-ballroom here. And um, they pull out their little God Loves You and Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life track. And uh, they started going through that with me. And so I and we got through God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Why do you think it is that most people don't know that? And I said, well, it's because we're sinners. And they kind of looked at each other and they looked at me and said, okay, like, has he heard this before? And went to the next one. That's right, man has a problem with sin. You know, and, and would you say you're a sinner? And I, said, I, and I said to him, and I was kind of a smart aleck, you can ask my current wife, my only wife. Um, she wasn't my wife at the time. You know, however you want to say that. But you have to edit that out. You guys backed her in the tape. But, um, so... In, in that, I, I said, yeah, I, I can tell you how I sinned last night if you want to know. And I was just kind of trying to be funny, and they kind of looked at me like, okay, whatever. Then it came that third law, but Jesus Christ died for sins. He said, have you ever heard that? I said, yeah. And I said, guys, no, no offense. I said, tell me something I don't know. I said, I, and I went to parochial school for five years. would have gone longer if we hadn't moved. Uh, I've gone to church almost my entire life. I, I know this. I, I know the Easter story. I mean, I just watched the, you know, the Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, it was, the, it was just new then. Remember, that's back in 1977, for those of you who can remember that long. And so I, I said, I get that. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of Heaven. I, you know, okay. I said, I, I believe all that. And he said, well, maybe, maybe what, what you don't understand is this, this fourth, fourth law. I said, what's that? I said, you must personally receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's not enough just to know this stuff. It's not just to know, okay, I know the creeds. I, I know John 3.16. I know Romans 5.8. Uh, you know, those, those type of things. But have you personally trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior? H- have you actually said to him, Lord, I am a sinner? And I said, well, I've said that many times, yeah. They said, well, no, I was in, from the standpoint of turning from sin to God and trusting in his Death, burial, and resurrection, and that only. And I, can't, I could not think of a time that I'd ever done that. Um, and so as he went on to explain, remember the two little circles? You know, you're here, you're here. Went back to that and said, which do you think represents your life? He said, well, that one definitely does. And what, do you, what, do you, what would you like to represent your life? And it was really clear. Because uh, the Lord had been working on my life through a, a, a variety of things that had been happening. And, and I said, I want that. I, I want to know that I have eternal life in Christ. And so on April 5th, 1977, and I can tell you why in a moment, I know the date, I, I surrendered my life. I repented for my sins and trusted in Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the reason I say that is because the next day the Gideons were handing out Bibles. Uh, and right out there by the Atwood Center, and as I came in, they handed me one, and I, I still have it. I take it hunting with me and keep it in my pocket. And I take it out when I'm waiting for deer to come by or an elk to uh, pull out and read it. And I, it had this thing on there, and here was the prayer. So I redid the whole thing in the back of the Gideon Bible. Went, went, read through their steps of salvation, prayed to prayer again, and signed the dates. So that's how I know it was April 5th, 1977. And I like to tell you, bells and whistles went off. I like to tell you I had the same thing like Paul wrote at Damascus. That, that didn't happen. But there, I, there was a change. It's like a 400-pound sack of flour was just lifted off my shoulders. It's like for once in my life, believe that someone genuinely loved me um, and that there is true peace. Even, even if everything, your studies, your schoolwork, your relationships, your work, your family is in chaos, there's still peace. 
And I'd never really known that before. And again, I had a bad family. I mean, a pretty good family. But it was just like, man, there's something missing here. I know there's something missing. And I found that in Christ. Um, and I'd like to say my life was smooth sailing after that. But there were some changes. I, I didn't quit drinking beer right away. Because it's just like, well, what's beer got to do with it? Um, but other things in my life, my anger, uh, my lack of peace, and uh, so much so that my mom, I was home a couple weeks after that, and uh, we were raking leaves. Uh, it's kind of a Minnesota-Wisconsin thing you know, you got to do. We were raking leaves, and, and she said, what's going on? And I'm, I kind of looked around. It's like, she, are you talking to me? She said, yeah. She said, I'm raking leaves. I mean, just, okay, ladies, you can train us, okay. Um, I said, I'm raking leaves. She said, no, no, what's going on in your life? And you need to know, unless something was really, really obvious, my mom would usually not ask that question uh, about anything. And, and, uh, and I said, well, what do you mean what's going on? She said, you, you seem different. And I said, and, you know, did one of these? No, I'm, I'm the same, same, same guy. She said, no, no. She said, there's something about you. And so I, I kept raking leaves. I thought, how do I answer this? My first real opportunity to share Christ, I guess. And so I finally I said, well, Mom, I said, at lunch, let me, let me explain what's been, how my life's changed. And so I sat down. I, I actually had some tracks with me. I sat down and I led my, my mom through that sinner's prayer. Um, and she, at that day, uh, <clears throat> I gave her heart to the Lord. And... Um, and I say that because now and she's in the midst of Alzheimer's these, these last seven years. It's like, you know, she's heard. She knows. I, I hope it was sincere. But um, I, I got back to school that Sunday night, and my, my, my best friend, uh, Dan Persons, we were studying together, and, and Dan said the same thing. He said, okay, what's up? What, what's going on? I said, I said, but this is weird. My mom asked me the same question Saturday night. And I said, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, he said, you're different. I said, how? And he said, there's just a piece about you that you, you're just not all there. And I said, well, Dan, and I, and before I could come out, he said, you didn't, did you? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean didn't? He said, Beecher didn't get you, did he, that Ted guy I mentioned earlier? And I said, well, uh, Ted didn't, but, uh, but Bob and Dick did. Said, oh, David, I, I can't believe that stuff. Dan was a good Irish Catholic kid, and and so I got, but he listened. I got to share Christ with him. And to this day, I don't know if Dan's accepted the Lord. He went on to graduate school and kind of just cut ties with his entire family and everybody from St. Cloud. So I'm praying that someday the Lord will use it. But there was something obvious that changed. And, and I'm still, I was still a knucklehead, still prone to tempers and, and, and things. But God, God began to work in my life. And, uh, and so the next year, there at St. Cloud is my, my junior I kind of did odd things there, but um, I was was in a class. Found out I was going to get stuck with having to stay two more years, uh, almost roughly, well, a full year, uh, again because of some glitches in the state education requirements for teachers. By then, I switched from going to be a broadcaster to be a teacher, uh, teacher of history and, and mass communications uh, speech, and um, I got caught in that change of having to take all these classes, and I was not happy. Um, at all. I was angry at God. I was like, I two more. I've got to work that much more in the summer. I can't get out and get it. And um, going through all those, in the first day of class, in one of three classes I would eventually have with this, this young lady, there was this little uh, dark-haired, brown-haired gal from 
Onamia, Minnesota, uh, in my class. And I thought, she's kind of cute. So I made a point of, we, we had to do the farm game. This was in the geography class. Have you ever played the farm game? And, and not the one on Facebook, but it's kind of like that. Okay. So I had to play a farm, book, uh, farm game, and everybody had been groups of three or four, and she was kind of lost looking. I knew a lot of folks in the class, and what she tells this part of the story, it's funnier, but how we, how we first met. But So another friend of mine who had been a fraternity brother and stuff, he said, hey, Terry, you can, you can be in our group, which... The look on her face told us she really didn't want to be, but that's okay. That's a story for another day, too. So we visited, and we talked through all those things. And I, just, I got to find out she was a, a Christian. Cool. Right. I mean, not just Christian in name. She actually was a true believer. I said, that's really cool. And so we go to the next class. And who's in that class? And another class. And who's in that class? It's like, Whoa. Okay, now I started kind of figuring out, maybe, maybe God had a plan for this all along, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, you're, and just for those who are wondering about my high school sweetheart, she'd gone off to Europe to study, and she met a guy over there, and so that's, that was history. And I became a believer when she came, and she didn't have anything to do with Jesus, so I had to say, sorry, Charlie, um, I really like you, uh, but I'm going to go this direction. And she said, that's okay, i got this other guy, I'm going to go that direction. So, <laughs> right? Um, so we parted. But God brought somebody into my life, even through the state of Minnesota and the university system not getting something figured out, which I saw something, God, how can you do this to me? I'm, I'm about ready to graduate, and i got to come back again? Well, yeah, I needed to spend a whole year convincing this woman that she should marry me. And, uh, <laughs> it, took, it took that long. Well, you talk about play hard to get. But, um, so we started, we started going to crusade meetings and, and different things together, and it became real obvious to me that she's the one. I just know how else to say that. I was just like, she's it. And that scared me half to death. Like, she'll tell you if you ever ask her that. She said, yeah, we went for a walk around uh, the little lake there in, in St. Cloud. David said, um, I love you, and then I didn't see him for two weeks. <laughs> and, 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 and so I finally, when I got a chance to explain that to her, I said, I was scared. So we're scared of. I said, I, I realized when I said, I love you, that wasn't like, I, I kind of like it because, you know, I have this warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. It was like, no, I love you, and this is the rest of my life. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's quite a commitment. It's one thing to give my life to the Lord, right? Uh, another thing to give my life to somebody else. And so I was like, wow, that, I said, that just scared me. Um, and so that was the start of a strange and wonderful relationship. And so uh, regressed to that. I finally graduated. She, she, you know, she was still, still in school. But, um, and I, I married a German Catholic gal. So I stayed within my heritage, but just a slight difference in religion there. And so that was one thing we had to talk through. And she thought I was pretty easy to get along with because she knew I, by that time I was going to go to a Baptist seminary. And so it's like, Catholic girl marrying a Baptist, nah, ain't going to happen. Um, but over time, like I said, God, God and I just wore her down. And uh, in that process, we went to, <laughs> seriously, that's kind of how it works a little bit. We went to the little evangelical free church there in St. Cloud. Dick Johnson was the pastor. He'd been a staff guy with Crusade for years in California. Was planning, gone to Western Seminary. Planning a church, and, and so I started going to, we started going to church there, and, and Dick uh, and I got together, and he discipled me, and I just loved how he opened the Word of God. Just how, he, he was like, how does he do that? He just, he just teaches. He opens a book, and he just teaches verse by verse, and it's practical and good insights, and it's like, wow, where'd you learn that? Well, I learned that in seminary. You know? like, oh, okay. And uh, it seemed like God just kept bringing guys from Western Seminary in, in, into our life, into my life. And I thought, if that's what that school does, that, I, I, want, I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that and, and be like those men. 
And so I was, I, I was convinced I, you know, I was going to go to seminary, and I was going to go to Western. Uh, if Western wouldn't let me in, then I was going to try Dallas, and if Dallas wouldn't let me in, then I was going to try Trinity, and if Trinity said no, there was always Bethel, right? And, uh, but that's, that's the Swedes, you know, Swedes and Norwegian. Okay. Um, but actually, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know Bethel had a seminary. I knew it had a school. And so finally, when I got to Western, they said, why didn't you go to Bethel? It's right, right there in Minneapolis. It's like, okay, didn't know. Um, but in that process, as God began to work that out and <clears throat> develop the love that Terry and I had for each other and, and wanting to serve the Lord, um, Western, Western was the right choice. And so uh, our families, obviously, it wasn't so hard, as hard for my family. It was a little harder for my wife's family, although they... Um, they, they liked me. Terry's dad and mom said, yeah, he'll, he'll be able to handle her. Yeah, cause he's, she's a little strong-willed. You can tell her I said that, too. Um, and it's just really neat because when I hear so often other couples, the problems they have sometimes in-law issues, we've not had those. I, I love my in-laws. My mother-in-law uh, died here two summers ago, uh, spoke at her service, which that's not necessarily the Norman in Catholic circles, but they, they allowed me to do that. Um, I have great love and respect for my father-in-law and my parents, and my mom, of course, can't remember my wife anymore, but for years, just just delighted uh, in Terry as a daughter-in-law. In fact, when, one of the times when we were kind of broke up and weren't seeing eye to eye, my mom wrote her a long letter and said, we're praying for, we're praying for David that he'll come to his senses because you're so wonderful and we want you to be our daughter-in-law. And, and so if Barney and I can do anything, you know, just, you know. I didn't know that until later either. My wife, are you sure that with me? But so we, we had that influence, at least from that standpoint. But through it all, her side of the family and even parts of my side of the family, because we deviated from our family tradition, um, the wonderful opportunities we've had to love people in the name of Christ and to share Jesus with them, and and how even though uh, some of some relatives have said we're really not. Uh, we're really not married because it wasn't in the church and it wasn't done by a priest, and so we're living in sin. Most of them like us and respect us and, and listen to us. And uh, I'll just give you one example of that. Um, the Passion of Christ, when the movie came out, and uh, for whatever you want to say about the movie, the one main thing it leaves out is it doesn't explain why Jesus died. And some folks who say, wow, yeah, it did, that's really bad. No, that's really good because when we were home, and we usually see a lot of my wife's relatives. I mean, on both sides of the family, she has close to 100 first cousins, okay, right? So we, when we have family reunion get-togethers, we have a lot of people. And folks, because they know I'm a pastor, will ask questions that they normally won't, won't ask other people. Um, and they feel safe to ask me because I don't hammer on them um, too hard. And, and they said, what do you think of that movie? And I said, you know, it was really, I like this, I like this. Here's some things you didn't like. But the thing that really bothered me was they didn't explain why did Jesus die. And... Uh, uh, Terry's uh, uncle Walter, Walter Schlegel. How's that for a German name? And Walter <clears throat> um, said to me, he said, yeah, you know, you're right, David. He said, why did he die? There's an open door. And so for the next, the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes, I got a chance to explain the death of Christ. The death of death and the death of Christ, as, as John Owens would say. I didn't do it the way John Owens did, though, thankfully. But in laying that out, uh, and people say, yeah, yeah. And from that, other conversations with her, her, with her dad, because they went through three priests, the whole priesthood scandal here in the last couple of decades. Went through three different priests. And, and dad asking, Chris, what's the Bible say about? And so, well, dad, let's look at the scripture. And we look at it and say, 
Oh, he's just a man like the rest of us. I said, yeah, Dad, you know, 500 years ago they burnt you at the stake for that. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> they would have? And I said, oh, yeah, Dad. And, oh. and um, so we've had some good talks. And I, I, I really believe Terry's dad, though he's kind of gone off the reservation a little bit, um, reading a bunch of New Age things, has really given his heart to Christ. Because um, I remember one time when we, there was just a little bit uh, with Terry's mom, we had a little bit of a disagreement uh, theology, and I just opened the Bible and said, here, Mom, read this. Do you tell me what it says? And, and I'll never forget, she said, she, this is her words, it says what you said it said, but I don't believe it because the church says this. And later we're talking with Dad because he could see that it upset me, not in an angry sense, but it just it broke my heart. He said, he said, David, you need to understand. He said, Mom's, Marie's faith is in the church. Mine's in the Lord. Um, so he still attends because that's all he's ever known. And there's, you know, but, so we've seen that. My dad, we've shared Christ with him. I've shared Christ with my sister. My sister professes faith. My dad, he's a better churchman than he ever has been. But I don't know if he really knows the Lord. But he knows the way because we can openly talk to him about it. Her siblings think we're strange, but they like us because we, have a, we try to live a biblical worldview. Not always perfectly, but we try to live that before them. Um, and so the wonderful opportunity that, that comes out of that. And so, so just to wind this long story down to, to a sh- short thing is that you can know a lot about God and not know him, right? You really can. Um, you, you will find people, though, even from my background, my wife's background, who do truly know, know the Lord. And that's the Lord's doing. Because the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. And so somewhere, somewhere along the line, they've either read something, someone's preached it, or maybe, heaven forbid, somebody thinks, this sounds really crazy. But as you read the gospel, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and energizes the heart. And we've run into people all across that spectrum who, who do love the Lord, but they're trapped in a church or they're trapped in a tradition. And, and then when they finally can really more understand the way, they'll step out of it. And that, that had been our experience. And, and so with that, even disappointments in college, thinking, you know, the, the girlfriend from high school, you know, we dated uh, for over three years. It's like, she's the one. No, you know, I, I come to, Lord, why can't you save her? Not her time. It's not her time. And I got this for you to do. Oh, why these classes? Because uh, I have someone for you to meet. And I, I didn't go to St. Cloud to meet Terry, Okay. I, that's, and she didn't go to St. Cloud. She graduated from the University of Minnesota and came back just to get a teaching certificate. She ran into me. That wasn't her plan. Her plan was to get a teaching job, okay, go in the Peace Corps. She got stuck with me instead. God did that. And out of that, he brought men into our life and their wives who ministered to us as, as both as singles and as a young couple built into our life. And just watching them with their struggles in their marriage, struggles with their kids, struggles with their little churches, and how they did that. And that spurred us on. And God led us to seminary, from seminary to a wonderful group of people where we actually grew up as a couple, developed as a family. They're in Wilson, people who just loved on us uh, greatly and uh, became family to us, being so far away from the kids' grandparents. Uh, wonderful old, older gals in our church, Bessie Pulis, whose husband was the first founding pastor of the church in Wilsall. Eva Mae Smith, some of you know Jason and Becky Smith that go to Grace here, his grandmother. Uh, then when his grandfather remarried, uh, Dodie, Dodie Smith, uh, Charlotte Clark, uh, just a number of those women prayed for us faithfully. They prayed, <clears throat> they prayed for our boys every day um, and, and loved on them. So 
when they talk about the fishbowl, our boys were in a fishbowl, but not the kind of fishbowl where people are trying to harpoon them, um, where people came alongside. And so I've seen the church from infancy to almost 60 years of age now, and I love the church. I don't always love the people, all the people in the church, but I love the church because God's given me the privilege of, of loving it even before he drew me to him in that process and seeing what the church can be, a little ethnic community where people loved, loved on you, mothered you, cared for you, in the good sense of that word, in a church where sometimes people fight over the stupidest things, the silliest things, and yet at the end of the day can repent, confess, seek one another's good, love each other. church that nourished us as singles, nurtured us as a married couple, nurtured our family, and to see God use us in spite of ourselves, and more on mine than on my wife's because she's a pretty pretty good Christian. But uh, how God uses vessels like us, and it's only by his grace, only by his grace. And so I just encourage you, you have the privilege of studying and knowing. Some of you come from Christian families. Uh, the privilege, the heritage that you have, that is a wonderful testimony. If you've walked with Christ, you have a great testimony. Because someone, God in his grace, gave you that family, gave you to that family to raise you, to nourish you, to lead you to where you are today. And he's not done yet. I, I don't know where it's going to take you. I don't know what heartaches you might go through. I don't, I don't know what pain or suffering. But through it all, the loss of a family member, a, a loss of an in-law, a loss of a job, a loss of a ministry, a, a, a wayward child, okay? whatever it might be, he will sustain you through all of it. It, it is, as Judy Gossick said earlier this year, through her and raised battles with her illness, it's all true. It's still true. It is still true no matter what it is. It's still true. And so I, I leave you with that. It's the one thing I've learned. You can know a lot, still not know him. And you can know him and sometimes live or act like you really don't know much about him. Somewhere there's a connection. Not only know a lot about him, but know him. And knowing him and knowing a lot about him to live your life. Live your life that way. What you know about him. What we sang today. Songs you'll sing next week. Songs you'll sing this coming Sunday. Songs you might sing tonight, Cross Life or whatever other ministry. Those songs that tell you about his character. The songs that tell you about his power. Those songs that tell you about his mercy and his grace and his love, his forgiveness for you. He'll sustain you in the darkness. He will be your light. All those things are true. I'm telling you they're true. And so, uh, I don't know. I hope, hope that gives you a little bit more of an insight into why, kind of the way I am. And uh, uh, thank you for letting let me, let me share, share my heart and a little bit of my, my journey with you. And uh, maybe the next time I'll actually preach a passage for you. But, uh, but anyway, let's pray. Our Father, you are so good. I, I look back and um, <clears throat> I, there's not enough time just to explain all the things like when we lost Carl, how uh, with the move, a young, young mother making two major moves in less than a year in a new occupation, a husband working long hours, her working long hours alone to get a business established and losing her firstborn. And how he used that loss of Carl to draw us together as a family and not lose what 
kind of faith we had. The ups and downs of businesses, the warp and woof of life, the poor choices that I made, the things that happened as a result of that, whether in college or in high school, all the things, each step of the way, you were more than gracious. And how even taking something that we thought was evil and wrong and unfair and turning it out for good and brought next to your son the greatest person in my life and the person of my wife. And out of that, giving us three great kids who have given me lots of gray hair, my father with the joy and gift they have been, and the privilege of serving here at the school, at the church, in Wilsall, back in Portland. The men and women have been privileged to meet and serve with and to see your grace and mercy through them, to see your work in their life, to listen and learn from them. And all the students all these years who have sharpened and honed me and encouraged me and Father, at times uh, one or more have been a trial, and yet even through that have taught me about you. So if there's someone sitting here today, and there may be one, there may be more than one who is struggling with maybe a job they didn't get, a relationship that seems to have failed, or maybe they, they don't understand you know, all this thing about church and how church should be this, should be that, but everybody says, oh, I pray you speak to their heart in the only way you can that they would see that everything about you is true. We can't always understand why things go the way they do. We can't always understand why they happen the way they happen. We can't always see the light in the darkness, but you're still there. You still hear, you still see. And though it may be some time, it will, may not be 400 years before you come down and you do your work. So may we trust you. May we not just know you in our head, but may we know you in our heart. And may that heart knowledge instruct and convey and correct and direct what we say and what we do, how we live, how we respond. And Father, I pray that for myself because I am still an unfinished product. And so in that end, help us to reflect you more and more, I pray, for your great glory. And because of your great and precious Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.